There we go. The recording started here, Matt. I was waiting for the timer to go for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting and waiting, but we're back. Mount Muswire Football Podcast took a off week last week because we we get the chance to do so. We had a basketball podcast where Matt, if you listen to it, I'm jumping right in. I'm not even. We'll introduce introductions in a second. We spent myself, Andy, and our buddy Eli Betker a good seven minutes on the ball type of what should be good and not good about a jump ball in college basketball. <laughs> Now, now, as somebody who's not a college basketball connoisseur, that sounds extensive. <laughs> it was more it was more than we thought it should be. It's just like a rules podcast. Like, hey, here's some rules that could happen, like maybe some changes. And Eli brought it up. He doesn't because in college basketball, and again, we'll get to football in a second. You know how it's a tie-up a tie ball, a jump ball. It's just a possession error. There's no actual mm-hmm. jump ball. And so Eli kind of went to him, like, oh, it's interesting. And we kind of went to the fact where basically a defensive player who makes a Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A tie-up? They should just get the ball because they do all the work to get the tie-up. And so, but we spent a good seven minutes probably on that part. So, uh-huh. if you like weird college basketball rules or proposals and changes, and you like the minutiae about that, it was fun. But that's just kind of the one thing I want to talk about real quick. We talked about hoops basketball, or Mount, geez, hoops basketball. What am I doing here? Mountain West basketball, college basketball. But here, college football, Matt. It's here. MWR.com and our, you and I, season preview brought to you by the Twitter followers who voted Nevada first this week. There and you I'm go. bumped. I am bummed, but also excited. I wanted Nevada to be kind of near the end because if you heard me before, Matt, I really, really like Nevada football this year. No, I understand that. So it's fine. We'll get to it. We got a decent question, which I answer on Twitter to perfection. We'll get to later. So here's how this works. But this being the first one, we're not going to really discuss any news throughout because we want to keep this timely. So if you happen to listen to this in August, it may not matter unless, as I said, Matt pre-show, um, let's just not have an Air Force situation where a star player like Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, or Don Peterson, fingers crossed, play the whole season or something, don't have a an issue of not being able to play. So that's the only thing we hope doesn't happen. But in the early ones, there'll be some differences throughout when we get to August and fall camp and all that type of stuff. But we're talking Nevada football. 
So where should we start? Should we just start with the disaster where they were seven and two? Last seven season? and two, and not that far away from being that much more. Oh, that Hawaii game, man. Well, that, not only that, but even the San Jose State game, even though they lost that game by 10, you know, it was really the, the, the kickoff return that they allowed at the start of the second half that really changed the tenor of the game. Totally was. So when we look at last year, I don't want to throw it all out just because of few games played, players opting out, games getting postponed, scheduled. It happened. There's, I think we could take more from Nevada and actually know what they are because they played more outside of, like SEC or Big 12 or teams like BYU and some Sun Belt that started early and played a whole season, I believe they played one of the most, the biggest schedule in the Mountain West, one of the most games. I'm pretty Boise, sure they were the, weren't they the only team in the Mountain West to not miss any games because of any COVID related yeah, issues? They, they would have played the most games in the conference. I'll, I'm just double checking here. Yeah, because even San Jose State with their bowl game, they only played eight games and a conference title game. So they played the yeah. most. So I, I feel compared to say, Colorado State, who played four games, mm-hmm. or like Wyoming and UNLV, who played six, or stuff like that. We could take more from Nevada. And do you recall? I still looked this up beforehand. It's a lot of shoot up sometimes when we get going. Do you recall what we had in Nevada last year, like kind of going into the season? We were, if I recall for me, I'm going to see if I can pull up my previous records from last year. But I think my big takeaway is well, at least I know who the quarterback is, and it's Carson Strong, who had a pretty good half a season the year before. Besides so, that, I'm like, Don Peterson was good. Toa Tala, that's about all I really recall without diving too deep in what we did. So before all the COVID weirdness hit, um, I actually had the Wolfpack as my West Division winners last year. Yeah, I had them going 10-2. and two. I had them winning the West, facing Boise State in the conference championship. Uh, and then even after, uh, you know, the COVID-related stuff and they, you know, re- remade the schedule on the fly and everything like that, um, I still had the Wolfpack pegged for a seven and one finish. So I was bullish on them last year. Um, I, which is not to say that I'm, that I am not bullish on their chances <laughs> to make just as much of an impact this year. But, you know, we'll obviously talk about the schedule a little bit later on in this podcast. You know, th- there's no mistaking the fact that they have a lot of talent coming back on both sides of the ball. You know, the challenge for them is, you know, being able to take that, that, you know, next step forward against a, a, a much different slate than they would have seen this time a year ago. It's true. I did find my projection where I'm talking. I had them 8-4 and four with losing to San Diego State, Hawaii, San Jose State, and Wyoming. Yeah. So that's where I had last year. So I was reasonably high. If I'm kind of looking overall, I think I had San Diego State. I did have them better. I believe I had a Aztecs winning the West Division last year versus Boise State. Didn't quite turn out that way. But I was reasonably high in Nevada last year. And – We'll see this year. Like, this year's going to be, like, I mentioned months ago, like, uh, and, hey, New Year's Six aspirations. I could see this, that's clearly on the table, but look at the schedule. We'll get to, just real quick, three, if you don't know, three of the first four are on the road. Their home game, they do have a buy-in there. So five weeks, four games, three road games, two Power Five in Boise State. Idaho State's at home. We'll get to the schedule later, but that's going to be, could be a pitfall for them, which is why. Did you see early odds for, I think, who was it? Uh, was it Underdog Dynasty or something tweeted out, like, the new the first odds for the New Year's Six or something like that? Yeah, they had asked some site to put together some, like, you know, potential odds. And, and Nevada was one of the teams that was surprising that they weren't listed. Uh, you know, they had the uh, the field odds, which I'm assuming the Wolfpack would be a part of, at... Um, the 590? Plus 590? Yeah, plus something. 590. How? Okay, I'm seeing that. 
I know it's SBD. They do. They I get emails from them like, hey, give us some stuff. We'll set some odds up for you. How the heck is Louisiana plus five hundred leading the way? That's because um, Louisiana is a really good team. I mean, I they just, were. You forget. Let's not forget they were top twenty five team no, last year. Didn't they beat Iowa State? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. I, I just I just hear all Cincy, 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 and I know they, they play one really good team outside conference. I can't think of it, but that plus five hundred. Just see them. Like I know they're a good team. I was like, I'm just surprised they're the favorites. Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, Boise State at plus 3,200. Sure, why not? However, they lose credibility when they put BYU in that list, so I don't know what to take from it because they can't make a New Year's Six automatic bid. So, eh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nevada, like, are people sleeping on Nevada? Because is it just me and you who, like, really, really, really like Nevada? Is there something I'm missing that people I are I feel like there are people, on? like, you know, everybody outside of the Mountain West might be sleeping on Nevada. Better not, man. They open up versus Cal on the road. I'm like, no way. It's like, come on. Because here's here's the most important number to me is right off the bat. And this is something we've talked about in past uh, podcasts, of course. But I think it's worth revisiting with the Wolfpack in particular. And, and this is something that will probably come up again and again throughout these team preview podcasts. Returning production figures. You know, I, I put it out there on Twitter. I think it was the, the Mountain West as a conference has like, I want to say like eight teams. I'm trying to find the tweet that I put out there and I can't. They have like eight teams that are above 80% returning production, which is substantial for a normal year. And it's going to make pretty much every week a fist fight in and out the Mountain West. But of those, you know, eight or whomever teams at 80%, Nevada is number five in the country with a 93% returning production figure. And I think if you're going to start, you know, sizing them up against other teams that have, you know, like you say, legitimate New Year's Day bowl spot aspirations, that's where you start looking at it. And that then that kind of goes back to what I alluded to earlier, where, you know, some things are different in 2021 for the Wolfpack, but, you know, in, in maybe some of the ways that matter the most, it's almost exactly the same as it was at this time last year. One thing about the production thing, which, again, we'll bring up a lot, everybody's bringing everybody back. Yeah. So you can be high, which is clearly better than teams. We'll, we'll talk about BYU because we play them in the conference a couple times. They're basically at the bottom because they lose a bunch of good players. Everybody graduated. Yeah. And they're like, why come back? We had a great year. I don't want them a fifth-year guy, six-year guy. If they serve the mission with their church, that's a couple more years. Like, they could be, not to make the older joke, but they've been around a long time. It's like, what's the point? I got a job lined up. Or I'm going to go to the NFL like a couple guys did early. It's like, what's the point? So they lose a lot of guys. Part of it, Zach Wilson gone, obviously, quarterback. And they're like the exception. But Air Force brings all the turnbacks. Our buddy Sean has stuff on the website about that. He's doing team previews right now. But everybody's bringing everybody back, which it's not as big as, a, as an advantage if it's in a typical year where you don't get next year. But what it does do, which we'll say a ton, it's you said it's going to make every week better than probably this conference could have its best year ever just about yeah. just because of the amount of talent, which can make it difficult for like, we've discussed the West is going to be really, really good. Let's say some wins the West. There's like, it's probably the T I'll kind of spoil a little bit. I think Nevada has a chance to win it. Fresno state has a chance to win it. San Jose state's in there. San Diego state probably step behind Hawaii could cost them mischief because they beat Nevada last year. You could be, you could have maybe three conference losses that win the West division, but still mm-hmm. be a really good team. It's going to be interesting how this plays out, but returning talent's great. It's better than not. Plus, we'll get to guys like Elijah Cooks who come back who didn't play all last year. Exactly. And so 
Anything else from last year we, or this little bit, or should we just jump into kind of positions, coaching, any other things from last year you want to get up besides mention at 50-plus and Romeo Dubs being the best unknown receiver or should be the known receiver of the universe right now? <laughs> I mean, God, so let's, just, let's just jump right into it, man. I'm excited to talk about this Wolfpack team. Quarterback? Is that where we go? Is that where we start? Quarterback. Let's do it. Carson Strong. Is he going to be a Heisman finalist? I'm, I'm going bold right now. I'm going big. Uh, we're we're hyperbold right <laughs> off the bat, I guess, huh? Uh, I will say this. if you, I signed up for Matt Miller's draft thing. He had, like, a huge sale, which I am bummed about because he goes, oh, 50%. I'll take it. Two weeks later, 75% off. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Come on. Huh. <laughs> Whatever. A year at that, what I got for half off was still pretty good. He put Carson Strong as his number one quarterback for the NFL draft. Strong. Above – Obviously, what else? <laughs> it's I, that seems clearly too high. I'm not gonna not like it, but most people have um, like Spencer Rattler and other guys ab- above him. I think most people I've seen what top five quarterback typically for Carson Strong, somewhere between like three and six for most of what I've seen so far. Yeah, there, but he came from the year before where he didn't play a ton because, remember, they had the guy from Last Chance U and a bunch of random stuff going on back in 2019. He started, what what was I believe, half the season that year. He finally was able to get the job, took over the end of the year. Um, yeah, he had a strong November back in 2019. And, and then the story of his 2020 campaign was more or less just, you know, taking that last month of the year and improving upon it in pretty much every way you could imagine. Well, totally. Yeah, you get the opportunity. Why not, right? Yeah, it's like you get. Didn't he? Um, I, I remember the UNLV Nevada game, Nevada fight. Was they uh, Nevada? Who won that? Was that Nevada? Uh, are you talking two years ago? Yeah, it's nineteen. Or was I it that was. I believe UNLV won that game. I just remember the fight. That's kind of the big thing I remember. But with him, he is clearly going to be pre. Is, is it clear he's preseason player of the year? I'm assuming. I think right? so. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. let me, you're talking about a guy who averaged well over 300 yards per game. Easily. <laughs> yeah. You know, led the team or led the conference in touchdown passes, you know, and, and had nearly twice as many as, like, the third place guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he had 27 touchdowns, Nick Starkle over at San Jose State at 17. Um, just to give you a sense of, of – and that, and that was while throwing the ball nearly 40 times a game. So it wasn't like he was, you know, he, I mean, he was being asked to do a lot. But he was doing about as much as you would expect with that volume of work in the passing game. And oh, by the way, he was one of, you know, he, he averaged over eight yards uh, an attempt. So it wasn't like he was dinking and dunking his way down the field. Except in Hawaii game when they forced him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, quarterback rating of 160.62, which was also number one in the conference. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's pretty easily the, I guess I would imagine the preseason player of the year on offense. Could you make the case for his teammate Romeo Dubs, or is it got to give the QB because he gives him the ball? <laughs> I mean, I think I mean <laughs> I, I would make a case for him. Yeah, you, I mean, there's, there, I would say there's maybe like half a dozen people you could make a case for, but considering the year that he's coming off of, it seems pretty clear that Strong is the guy. No, yeah, yeah. I just think like I say the more quarterback's great, but what Dubs did last year, it's just like it's when there's a thing in the college football. Mike Williams years ago, or Keyshawn Johnson, those type of guys, or even Devontae Adams at Fresno State, those wide receivers that make those huge plays are just so fun to watch, like Jalen Robinette mm-hmm. from Air Force. It's like, I know they may only get, not like, only, like, eight, like, if you go eight for 125 and two TDs, that's a, a career game. 
Mm-hmm. You can't do that every week. Quarterback has like eight guys to throw to. But I, not, I don't know. Maybe we should come. I'm going to put this on the fly. There's a lot of stuff we talk about that we don't put the fruition out there. Should we make a non-quarterback player of the year? I mean, we could. We could, fine, we right? could do it. We could do it like what the NFL refuses to do, for example. <laughs> you mean the uh, offensive? Was it the uh, offensive player of the year is a quarter? The MVP is a quarterback. The AP offensive player of the year is a non-quarterback award, essentially. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, like so, he's very good. He's going to have an offensive line that's good. Like the whole team brings so many people back, and I don't want it to be a theme every week that we're going to say they're an amazing team because they bring everybody back. This is a team. I'm going to say it though. Amazing team from last year brings everybody back and is going to be better. The all the starts from the offensive line are going to be back. Toa Tao, who was just fine last year, probably going to be better. The only concern, if there's any, is when defenses came against him. And again, we're going back to the Hawaii game last year where they forced him to go underneath, and they would not. They're like, we will not anything deep. We're not going to let you get. It. We'll let you get to fight Cole Turner. Toe a child in the backfield. We'll let you get those five to eight yard passes. We're not mm-hmm. going to give up dubs going deep for 50 plus yards. That's the only thing is for me, the offense, that's a big concern is when they scheme and the offense, Jay Norvell and the coordinators can't figure out how to get the ball down the field to whether it be Elijah Cooks who's returning, dubs obviously, Cole Turner with a fade. Like that's the only concern I have offensively. Besides that, there's hardly anything to nitpick about the QB. And we're not going to get into injuries because that's just fluky. You can't predict that. That's like the only thing that could hurt them if Carson Trump doesn't play for some reason. Now, see, I don't know that they're necessarily doomed if only be, if only because, you know, Nate Cox came out and had a we, – we talked about it, I think, a week or two ago. Had a pretty strong spring game, and I think he proved that he's more than just a guy who's six foot nine as, as a backup quarterback for the Wolfpack. So, like so worth the beach, just get in there. <laughs> and, and so while obviously I don't think that he's going to be like a hundred percent of what strong would be if he was forced into extended action, but I don't think that the offense is suddenly going to fall apart if Cox is, ends up under center, you know, way more often than anybody in Reno would expect. Um, I mean, I think, I w- and I'm glad that you brought up like nitpicks because I was I was wondering if you saw anything in Strong's 2020 season that could theoretically be improved upon. Because one thing I was wondering about, and I don't know if this has to do with the vagaries of just like having a little less volume or, or maybe a little less necessity to throw the ball in later in games. But one thing I noticed is that his his completion percentage in 2020 dropped by every quarter from the first to the second to the third to the fourth. That's interesting because you know, they had a couple of games where they were struggling the first half against teams too. And I, don't, and I don't, like I said, I don't know if that has to do with the fact that they were building up big leads early in games and didn't necessarily need him to throw that often when they could just lean on their running game and salt games away that way. And I think the only other quibble that I could see, and again, I think you could make – a, a pretty convincing case either way, but it was something I, I'm going to keep my eye on going into 2021 is the fact that while he had 13 red zone touchdowns against just one interception, his his red zone completion percentage was under 50%. When he was completing... Wait, you know, wait does that include the full turn of fades, 100% accuracy rate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we kid a little bit, but I think you know, it's one of those things where, you know, were there's are there some conversions you know in the red zone that we may be forgetting about that could have made a difference in some of those games that they ended up losing late last year? I, I mean, I wish I, I don't wish I had brought up the box score for that Hawaii game in particular, 
because I can't recall exactly how well the Wolfpack did in the, in the red zone in that game, or if they even got that far. But it's just one of those things where, you know, maybe if you're looking for, for small improvements, and obviously it's, it's harder to complete passes, uh, at, at the volume the Wolfpack like to, to throw the ball when you have less space to work with in the red zone. But that's just one of those things where, you know, if I'm looking for something that could make, you know, a difference in, in winning or losing a close game in 2021, that's one thing in particular I'm looking at is improved red zone performance. So I'm pulling up really quick, looking through the red zone of that game. There's one one time, obviously, fade to Cole Turner, one for one. Okay. <laughs> touchdown. And then looking again, there was, um trying to double, go quickly here, not waste time. Um, there was mostly running inside the red zone when they had it. They only threw, I think, if I'm correct here, um, two for two, two touchdowns in the red zone of that game, it looks like. Something like huh. that. Very, very, They ran it most more often than not. But okay. Strong in that game was also, like tw- was it 20 for 25, but only like 160 yards, and Dubs had just that one for 10. Yeah. So they did it. He had only two passes. They completed both. One was an 18-yarder. One was a four-yarder to that Turner pass. So that's just a very small sample size. Two of his 25 passes were in the red zone and two for two. Okay, so, I stand corrected then. That's one game in only two passes, though. But that game also was – that's the game teams are going to want to look at trying to emulate, but that was also midseason. Teams didn't try or couldn't do what Hawaii did after that game. Mm-hmm. But So what, let's go to running back because quarterback, like, there's not much to say about Storm. We're nitpicking. There's here or there. You're like, red zone, okay, could always be better. Um, can't force it to dub sometimes. But it's like in that San Diego State game, they kept trying and trying and trying. They'll eventually break through. But it's hard to – nitpick, but when you have, like, Toatawa, and that was also, stick, stick with that Hawaii game, he came through with one of his better games with 131 yards in that matchup. And yeah. so, and they also had Devontae Lee, who's their backup, will get to as well. They have a bruising one-two punch there. Like, there's nothing that you can tell me I'm not going to like about this team. It's very hard to say, which, I know Boise fans and San Diego State are, Fred, like, Fresno's like, well, they're, what's the, what's the deal? It's like, are they that good? I'm like, well, I think they can be, because that's Tawa's best game of the year. He had what, six yards of carry, only four touchdowns, and trying to do the conversion of, like, games played or not. Four touchdowns isn't great because it's one a game for his uh, nine games. So he's fine, but when they have two backs in there, it's like, what do you really need? And Toa Tal can also catch the ball. He had 31 catches last year. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing where if – this is what's great about this passing game. They can give it to Toa, they can give it to Turner, they give it to Dubs, and we'll get to Cook. So the running game, like, I'm not – I felt harsh on Toa Tau last year, even the year before, but when you look at his like career numbers, his freshman and sophomore are basically the same numbers. Maybe we ex- I expected more. But what he did last year, six yards of carry, that's perfectly fine. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? Uh, multiple 30-plus yard runs last year. He does a lot more than we think. It's just kind of maybe the inconsistency I'm not a huge fan of where 39 yards versus Fresno, 50 versus San Diego State, but then 107 Utah State – had almost 200 total yards versus Tulane in that bowl game. Mm-hmm. Maybe what I'm looking for, if he's going to get whatever, what, 675, whatever that is, like if he's going to get 85 yards a game, I'd rather be between like 70 to 100 than 30 to 125. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you compare 2019 to 2020 and you talk about, you know, how some things are, are, are were, you know, were different or what really propelled the, that big step forward, you know, Tawan Lee, who I, I continue to maintain are probably the least fun people to tackle anywhere in the conference. <laughs> but, 
But you, you mean know, just five nine two ten refrigerator toe towel with a box. <laughs> yeah, and and Devonte Lee, who was basically you know you know this the same. I think he's like five eight and two twenty or something like that. But I mean, you know, even though the two of them didn't necessarily see the end zone as often, I think you know that that per carry average for both of those guys is maybe the more instructive number. Because, you know, in 2019, both of those guys were, like, right around four to four and a half yards per carry. In 2020, both of those guys were above five yards per carry. And Toa Tower was a shade away from six. And I think for a team that, you know, obviously wants to lean on its aerial attack, you know, they needed a complementary running game. So that way, when they when they were able to land those haymakers early in games, get a lead, and then sit on it with guys who were hard to stop on the ground... You know, that was more or less what you saw week in and week out last year is, you know, Tawa and Lee are closers and as good as any of they find anywhere in the conference. And that doesn't even get into, you know, guys behind them like Avery Morrow, who, you know, he didn't see a lot of playing time and he did get hurt in, in the, in the potato bowl. Um, I, I believe he's set to be back on track for like, you know, being healthy by fall camp. But, you know, he's a pretty solid number three who could see a few more reps here and there, you know, from week to week. And and he averaged over six yards a carry as well. So, I mean, right there, you're talking about a trio of guys who, you know, even if they take a slight step back, even if they can still be better than they were in 2019, that's going to make that entire element of the offense a, a huge problem for defenses to try and solve. Yeah. And I think one other thing that's that's going to really help them in, and this might also kind of you know, be a, a problem maybe for the offensive line to solve too. They did all that despite ranking 119th nationally in stuff rate. So it wasn't like they weren't getting stuffed behind the line of scrimmage a lot more than maybe you would have expected. And, and you know, when I say they were 119th nationally, their stuff rate was 23.8%. So nearly one out of every four runs they had was stopped either for no gain or for a loss. So even if they can improve upon that a little bit, look out. And that goes with the offensive line, too. Like, their sacks really quick allowed were 20 and near the bottom of the conference. But yeah, one, one I mean, in terms, of, in terms of sack rate, though, you know, that's that's where another one of those disparities comes in because they were actually, a, you know, basically a top 40 unit yeah. um, when, it came to, when it came to sack rate. It was 5.1%, which is 38th nationally. But I think I think there's still definitely room for improvement when it comes to run blocking in particular, and that that doesn't have to do with just stuff rate either. You know, by line yards per carry, they were 81st. You know, by opportunity rate, which is just getting to that second level for as for as many big plays they seem to have. You know, they were still you know 83rd by that metric as well. You know, they were 84th in power success rate, which means that they you know, there, there's still room for improvement in like short yarder situations as well. So there's still work to be done. And if they can get that done, you know, that's the difference between them being like an eight or nine win team versus something that could be a lot more. Yeah. Just back real quick per game, because they played more games. That's what you got to look at. If you look at any of these numbers from last year, total numbers as a kind of a, am I bad there? I'm like, Oh, they got 20 the whole year or 20. Yeah. 20, but it's only a middle, just not great, but it's middle of the pack in the conference, just over two a game, like 2.2. Yeah. Whereas that bumps them up from the bottom. But also looking at what from the running last year to this year, the reason why I remember now, I'm like, why was that so bad? They are 3.37 yards per game running the ball mm-hmm. in 2019, like you mentioned, and they're well above like 4.3. And that it's like I say before, I think I've said many podcasts before, give me 10% more something, 5% more, you'll be amazing. Could be even that much better because 3.3 to 4.3 is a big jump, but just give me a little bit more. 
And, like, if they go from 4.3 to 4.5 running the ball, that puts them at number four in the conference compared to last year. Going well, keep, keep in mind, too, that that doesn't adjust for sack. Yeah, yardage. sure. Uh, yeah, that as well. But what numbers we have, just saying just a little bit more. And that, that could be a couple of things. Oh, I don't get sacks as many times. Like, Carson Strong is more elusive. The offensive line's better. I think that one weakness, it's not even that weakness because they improved from 19 to 20, is the offensive line because they were, like you mentioned, stuff rate could have been could have been better. They, the running game does need to block, run blocking can be better. Protection, I could say could still be a touch better because I'd want to be higher than two and just over two sacks a game. I want to be like maybe 1.5. Like, I don't know. I got to see if that's actually a lead or something. I'm, just, I'm looking at the conference. See, I, think, I think what you can do, and I, and I don't know exactly how instructive this would be, but like you, you compare them to you know the team that won the conference last year, San Jose State. Mm-hmm. One of the things they were exceptional at was, you know, keeping Nick Starkle upright. You know, and they had a they had a, a sack rate of uh, you know under two and a half percent. You know, basically half of what Nevada was allowing. And maybe that's a a virtue of the fact that Nevada was more willing to you know take a lot more shots down the field. They were willing to let Carson Strong, you know, sit in the pocket Wait, and you yeah. let routes develop and, and get those big plays. And so you know, maybe it's just stylistic differences that you know basically you know make up some, if not all, of that difference in sack rate. But I think you're right. But I also think that you know the offensive line. I think all five guys are are coming back, or, or maybe four or five. Excuse me. I think the only new guy, if I remember correctly, at least, and this is a shout out to uh, Chris Murray over at Nevada Sportsnet, who had mm-hmm. kind of an impromptu depth chart that he came up with. I believe Drew Cannon is the only guy who's set to be um, yeah, a, a, a new offensive line starter. But, you know, you look elsewhere on the offensive line, and, you know, the center, Tyler Orsini, was graded out as the best in the conference, according to Pro Football Focus. Despite being honorable mention last year. Yeah. And and, say, and Jacob Gardner started every single game as a – I believe he was a true freshman, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, protecting Carson Strong's blind side – Held his own, played pretty well. well. Yeah, Jermaine Ledbetter also played pretty well. Aaron Frost has flexibility, and and even you know guys who aren't starting like um, you know Gray Davis has starting experience. So it's a unit that you know maybe they they don't get their due as you know an elite unit in the conference, but you know if if that's one of those things where again if they take one more step forward, they can go from being like good to great. Can make a world of difference. Yeah, if you look at the San Jose State, the San Jose State's numbers, they're one sack a game allowed. Yeah, because the per game Nevada was middle of the pack at sixty, what sixty seven there. Mm-hmm. Like if they go to like, just say they go to one point eight, that puts them at top forty right there. And so it's just a little bit more, and they bring everybody back. So let's go to receivers because Roman Dubs is probably one of my favorite outside of court of uh, Kelvin Turner of Hawaii. He might be one of my favorite players to watch. He just Again, he gets he had 50 more receptions did the Heisman Trophy winner and played half the games or something like that, right? It, mm-hmm. it was wild. He is so good. Cole Turner, we joke about the fade. We'll see how effective that is. But I think he just caught another goal line fade as we're talking. Obviously, it's amazing. It's like we, we always say, don't throw the fade, except it's Cole Turner, right? He needs to trademark the fade or something, but he's going to take another step up. Um, Elijah Cooks, who didn't play last year, he's going to be back, and he's going to be, what, the number two receiver for this year? He could be, yeah. Like, the receiving group from last year, and they got a transfer today. I don't recall any looking from Washington, who was like a former four-star guy, but only caught like three catches in three years. So who knows 
I believe he's eligible immediately. I'll get his name in a second here. That's just another body, and like, who knows what he could bring to it because look at Nick Starkle did coming from Arkansas and Texas State and prior, came out to be one of the best players in the conference last year. Yeah, they so, also just they also picked up a transfer from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Harry oh, I saw Tyler. that too. Okay, yeah, I saw that as well. But yeah, they have a couple receivers like why not have more offense? You know what I mean? What's the what's the harm? Nothing. <laughs> but it's I mean, like, that, that wide receiver room is is stacked. Is it going to be better? Because I'm looking right now at 2019 because Elijah Cooks led Nevada in 76 catches, eight touchdowns, almost a thousand yards. Is it going to be better than a 2019 Hawaii that had JoJo Ward, Jared Smart, and Cedric Bird? Ooh, that's bold. I'm just saying. It's, I mean, I mean, that's those are really high expectations. But I think given what you've seen from the offense over basically, you know, the past 12 games that they played, you know, the eight or nine, the you know, the, the nine that they played last year, and then like the four or five that they played down the stretch in 2019, I think there's really good reasons to set the bar that high. And you're, I mean, because you're, you're talking about an offense that even without Cooks last year. They had six guys with at least twenty catches, and, and some Horton, of them, some of them obviously touches. played different roles. Like Tory Horton, true, I believe he was also a true freshman. Yes, twenty catches, twenty catches, five TDs, five touchdowns. Oh no! By the way, he averaged over sixteen yards a catch in doing it. You know, Melquan Stovall's back. Justin Lockhart, another young receiver, could see more reps. Uh, so I mean, that's like what? That's six guys right there. Turner had 49 catches as a tight end, nine touchdowns. Let um, tied for the lead. Him and Cole um, Romeo Dubs, those two guys led the conference of receiving touchdowns. It's like I this team. Like we're gonna get to the record, we get the defense, but tell me they're not gonna score like 7,500 points a game. It's they're gonna score a lot, I think, because because defenses are not gonna have one guy they can key on because they've got guys everywhere who can catch. Them. Catch the ball, make plays down the field in space, backfield, whatever you yeah. want to, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't. It's, I'm just excited to watch this team. It's it's going to be. We're going to have people talk. We get. We say. Remember, it's Nevada. We'll get those guys. Nevada out there, out west in Reno. You know that TV show with uh, Thomas Lennon, those guys, Nisi Nash, Reno nine one one. There'll be some parody of somebody doing something with that because if they're going to be that good, like that's going to be a thing, right? Yeah, it has to be. Because I've been actually rewatching that show. It is so brilliant and hilarious. It is the best thing to watch. If you don't know what to watch, I just put on HBO Max and watch two or three episodes of that and fall asleep. Yeah. There's going to be something with that because it's it's they're going to be that good. So it's uh do we have time to move anything else in offense? Do we need to mention Brandon Talton, kicker, who's back? Like we got him as well. Also, also pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I'm excited. This is our okay. I'm going to digress and come back and say I'm glad we're talking about Nevada because it gets me pumped up for all the teams we talk about because there's going to be a team or two where we might have to stretch to fight some stuff. Just saying. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Are we ready for defense? Let's do it. Is, this unit is still going to be pretty good. It's more of a concern, but not as not like again. What did you say, Matt? They're bringing eighty five percent back, something like that, eighty two percent back. Yeah, 
Don Peter. So we start with Don Peterson. Let's start up front. Yeah, with the defensive line. The Giants tackler who was basically a bummed ankle for like three games last year and was still one of the best in the conference despite playing on one and a half leg legs. Mm-hmm. Is it one and a half leg or one and a half legs? How should I proceed in saying that? I mean, if you're talking more than one, it's 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 plural. Makes sense. I know. I'm just okay. That's a good point. But this this defense. This is their concern, but there's not really a concern, right? See, last year, I think, you know, I think it's worth revisiting the, the brief conversation that we had in last year's team preview because yeah. maybe we need to give a shout out to, you know, the new, the defensive coordinator, Brian Ward. Yes. Because I think there was a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there was some consternation about, well, okay, you know, how well is he going to, you know, how well is he going to fit? And you know, what kind? How well is his new system going to fit? And even without Peterson, I think the fact that the the defense was able to take a step forward, and I think uh, Bill Connolly brought it up that in 2019, before he came in, they had fell to 85th by defensive SP plus. And last year, even with Dom Peterson being limited, they improved to 70th. And some of that has to do with the fact that they were they started getting contributions. From a lot of other guys, especially up front. Sam like, Hammond. You know, Sam Hammond was perhaps a little bit underappreciated. I always, I, you know, I thought he was be, be like kind of like a sneaky kind of role player going mm-hmm. into last year. But, you know, he broke out. He had seven and a half tackles and four loss. He was an all conference performer. Um, you know, Cameron Toomer on the other side mm-hmm. also took a step forward. You know, Zach Manaha or Mahana, excuse me. Uh, also play well, and and you know other rotation guys like Daniel Grzer- I'm I'm gonna butcher this last name. I apologize. <laughs> you know uh, Grzeziak, I believe, and I apologize if if anybody in the Grzeziak family is listening and screaming at their podcast right now. But you know he's coming back. Amir Johnson saw playing time last year, so I mean not only does this team have the top end talent to you know really make hay, as, you know when it comes to you know stopping the run and giving opposing quarterbacks nightmares. But they're deep too, which is not always not always something you could have said in years past. And this is one of the things that you know I would say Jay Norvell has really been building towards. And so while the offense might get a lot of the headlines and might you know deserve a lot of the spotlight, I think especially up front, you know the defense and the defensive line in particular, what they've been able to build, what they've been able to develop up front, is going to be really key for them because you know that was one of the things that improved last year and it paid huge dividends for them. One quick note about the total defense overall. Um, in 2019, they allowed 30 points in nine times of their 15 games, like going back year and a half. Yeah. 400, like the total points, like 415 total points in 2019 in 13 games. 30 points so many times. And this year, 2020, I should say, they were average, like sticking with the upfront type of stuff. They were middle of the pack average in stopping the run. Like in per, on a per play basis, they were just below average, like 5.4. So, and you look at what they did the year before, it was six, just over six. So they making, again, small improvements, like you said with Bill C said, they're 85th to 70th overall. They move up slightly here. They might return basically every starter, but having, you're right, having depth up front, like if Peterson's at full health, like he's going to be one of the best, he already was one of the best defenders in the conference. I don't think a defensive lineman can win like defensive player of the year, but he was a what second team guy and was hobbled part of the year. Like mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see an issue of him being first team, Sam Hammond being first team. Like looking, they had four three guys on the second team all defense last year, 
And that's their concern when they have multiple all-conference guys on defense. Not to say it's a concern, but maybe, relatively speaking, their weakness, like weaker unit, I'm not going to say weakness, but like the lesser units, despite it being still at worst average in the conference. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if they, I guess, what, what do you, if my point being, like, here's what happens you have great players, always know, Don Peterson, Hammond, they, everybody's full strength, ready to go. If Peterson's out there, I don't recall last year, I'm trying to think of a couple of games, but, like, he's hobbled, maybe not as needed double team, took some extra plays off because it was the ankle. Okay, he's going to play here. They're situational. I remember near the end, it's like he's going to play just a little bit here and there. They're trying to figure out how to get him in there. If he's in there 100% all the time or whatever plays he's allowed to play in, in situations, okay, he's double teamed. It's going to have somebody else be open and be amazing. And mm-hmm. so he may not have the numbers. He may not put up the sacks or the pass deflection tackles or whatever. But if he's taking up two guys, two and a half guys, or a team's running a counter the opposite way or running away from him, that's a win. It's like line him up to take advantage of teams having to – if you have a defensive player and they have to game plan against, like we're not going to go to your side of the field, you've already took away – like. What would you say? A def- I don't know what percentage of an area he would take away if you go to the opposite side of him, whether it's a play action or a run to the other side, or the, or you have the QB run to the other side to throw on the run that way. Like you're taking away maybe a third of the field possibly with with you focusing too much on him, mm-hmm. and that's great. Even if his numbers aren't say they're exactly the same on a per game play- basis by paying with fewer plays because his main hurts. Those type of things is what can make this defense shine, and we'll know other names. Because, again, they're bringing back basically every starter and every unit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think with him being been there for multiple years. Because we thought he could have gone to the NFL draft this year and been selected. Yeah. And he's back. And they, they want to win the conference and get more than that. And I think that defensive line is going to be really good this year and obviously better than last year. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, if they can stay healthy and maybe most of that falls on Peterson because it, it's – as far as I remember, they didn't really have any other significant injuries up front. You know, that's only going to make life easier for the guys behind them as well. You know, because Lawson Hall is also back, mm-hmm. who's you know also an all-conference performer last year. Diane Henley is back. You know, both of their backups are back as well. Josiah Bradley, Lamont Terai, and and the secondary. I think you know, and not to gloss over the linebackers, but I do think the secondary is going to be the biggest key you know, for whatever this team's ceiling ends up being. Because last year, you know, Burdale Robbins maybe didn't get his due as as a quietly underrated guy anywhere in the conference. Did you realize that he was the guy opposite Darren Hall and Pro Football Focus's All-Mountain West team last year? I did not recall that. No, I forgot it. But that's, First uh, team. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. And, and because I didn't realize it, because obviously, you know, you look at the, you know, the, the traditional stat sheet, and I think he only had like one interception last year and only a handful of passes defended. But then, you know, you, you realize that Pro Football Focus graded him as like the eighth best coverage corner in single coverage anywhere in, in college football last year. And you're like, okay, well, that, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. And, no, that's amazing. And they brought in, you know, a couple of guys who could make a huge impact from the transfer portal, which is, I think, is another one of those themes that's going to come up again and again in these, in a lot of these uh, team previews that we do. But I'm very interested to see what kind of role that Bentley Sanders and Isaiah Assessima play. Because, you know, Sanders came in from, you know, the University of South Florida. Mm-hmm. Assessima came in from Wake Forest. Wake Forest, yeah. And, you know, if either one of those guys can do 
get, if they can replace EJ Mahadamid, or maybe between the two of them, you know, do more to give yeah. them depth, just, you know, two guys, you know, you know, opposite Robbins, you know, those two guys, I think, are going to be really key for however this defense plays this year. No, you're right. Like that, those two couple of guys, it's, that's the one area you mentioned this before in multiple podcasts in the past talking spring and who's coming in, who's replacing, who's kind of our wrap ups. That's an area where you're right. Like he, EJ's gone. They bring in the transfers. It's a, but here's the thing too. You look at who are they playing as well? Like we'll get to the schedule. Like teams that throw the ball a lot. That's one thing you want to look at with that secondary. They have, uh, Boise State will always throw a decent amount. Hawaii obviously will throw. Um, Fresno, Jake Hanner's a really good quarterback. San Jose State throws a lot. So there's about four of those games on the schedule, not including like when we get to Cal and K-State, that throw. So it's not a huge amount, but it's still enough where their road games are difficult at, at Fresno State. They host Hawaii, which is fine, but at Boise State. That's what you look at, too. So I don't think like why the talent's going to be there. We'll see if it's actually better. But who they're playing kind of can go to the advantage because the Air Force is going to run the ball. CSU likes to run the ball. San Diego State runs the ball. UNLV is mm-hmm. not going to be very good. Fresno is a, a mixture, but we saw Jay Kaner how accurate he's going to be. New Mexico State, who cares? So it's a unit where it's not going to be, what I'm getting at, it's not going to be heavily relied upon, even if it happens to be the weakest of the unit out there, which it may not be, but there's some benefits to breaking in new players or replacing starters for transfers when you only play a handful of teams that are really going to challenge you more more than others. Mm-hmm. So that's uh that's what I think. So should we go back to linebackers, I guess, to move yeah, back up a step? So this unit is like again, it's a defense it all it, defense all runs together. Like when you look at yards per play allowed, rushing, all that type of stuff, defensive line, linebackers get to it. But when you look at what Nevada can do, it's like it's I think their defensive line and linebackers kinda said play the same role. Because they bring most of these guys about but do they they don't really have a name for me, like a Don Peterson or Hammond, where he's going to be that main guy because, like, all conference didn't have anybody linebacker. Even looking at honorable mention, they had nobody back there. And so they bring up, bring these players back, and it could just be a year where, yeah, we were just hanging out last year, getting our feet wet. Now this year we're going to make the big jump. I think that's kind of their expectation there. Well, Lawson Hall was an all-conference pick. Oh, uh, wait, he was? Did yeah. I, what am I, what am I Second saying? team. Second team. Wait, hold on. I'm looking, looking, looking. Hold on. Looking. That looks wrong. Ah! <laughs> My mistake. I was looking through and scrolling past Don Peterson and Sam Hammond. I apologize to Lawson Hall and the family listening as we were going to do multiple times tonight. <laughs> I saw I was just scrolling through. I'm like, I'm thinking, like, there's a name out there. Am I missing something? Because they had good players in this position. So, guess what? I'll pronounce you and name you my first first team linebacker, Mr. Lawson Hall. There you go. Maybe because it said senior next to his name, that's what I was looking at and possibly scrolled over. But we got all the six-year, seven, eight-year seniors back, so it's going to be a learning curve occasionally when you see a senior on a previous all-conference list, and he's back. So apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go from there. I just, eh, it's a little bit mixed up. It's okay. I'm sure they'll forgive you. I Hey, if I promote him the first team, they better, right? Yeah, there you go. So, so what should we what should we expect him? Because okay, he's there. Paul again, last time, we're good to go. But the, what do we want to like see from we defense? Is is this a team where we know they're going to score like six, a ton of points a game, a thousand points a game, two thousand yards a game, whatever it's going to be? They're going to move the ball in the air. The defense is going to be good, as we know. But what is it 
that they really need to accomplish to win games. If the, if their goal is to just win games, defense can just be what they were last year, and they'll be even better overall because the offense will score points. If their goal is to let's get to a New Year's Six game, defense has to be better to win 40 to 10 instead of 38 to 22. Yeah, I was going to say that regression to the mean one way or the other would normally be my, my answer, but when you, <laughs> look, when you look at a lot of the advanced numbers, they, this was a team that was – I'm trying to think of the, the the most appropriate way to say it. Like they were they were like a jack of all trades but a master of none last year. And and I say that because you know they were they were 59th in, in defensive sack rate. So they they had a sack rate as as a defense of 6.7%. So pretty solid. Mm-hmm. You know they had a stuff rate slightly below the national average. You know seven, it was 75th overall in the FBS, 17.3%. You know, their, their, their defensive opportunity rate, their defensive power success rate were both above average. They were both in the top 50. And so it's hard to say, like, you know, that they're going to fall off one way or another just because they have so much experience coming back. Yeah. I think if anything, maybe you hope for them to be a little more, uh, you know, to turn a few more passes defended, for instance, into interceptions or something like that or creating more fumble opportunities. Cause like, I don't, I don't have their, you know, fumble conversion rates in front of me. Um, but you know, maybe a little bit of fumble luck isn't one of those things well, where if were, it didn't turn out for them last year, then maybe that's one of those things that, that, that bounces their way a couple more times this year. Well, they were even on the turnover margin last year. There you go. Which, you're right. I'm going through these numbers. They're 57th in turnover margin, like top 45 in yards per play allowed, yard, yards per game total. Like they are, you're right. They're basically, their best was what maybe uh, rushing yards allowed per game. Their top, their thirty six there. They and were they, just they uh, had six opponent fumbles and three recovered. So mm-hmm. they they had basically no luck one way or the other when it comes to yeah. fumbles. But yeah, basically all the deep, when you look at yards per play and yards per game, and all that type of stuff, yards per attempt, and we look at passing, like their yards per attempt defensively passing is pretty good. They're mm-hmm. top like thirty second, I think, or tied for thirty first, like ten teams. They were just you're right, just uh, good and not good enough, but. Average at worst, nothing elite, pretty good at pass defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Turnovers was zero margin, so it's like, you're right. Like, this is where it comes to, again, give me 10% more on defense and you'll be much better. And yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's a matter of answering, like, okay, this is one big thing they have to solve. I know. It's hard. You know, it's a little bit better. It's, it's a bunch of little <laughs> things. And I, and I think it, it may, maybe relates to, you know, certain personnel in particular. Like we mentioned, you know, the cornerbacks, Sanders and Asissima. You know, another battle to watch is who who's going to start opposite Tyson Williams at safety. You know, because they have uh, Imani Johnson coming back. They have Christian Swint, who saw playing time. I believe he had an interception in the in the bowl game last year, if I'm not mistaken. You know, that's a battle worth keeping an eye on. Who who emerges there, and and maybe whoever wins that job could be that guy who makes some of those small differences that we're talking about. Yeah, that's the thing in defense. It's going to be a little bit here and there. That's why it's yeah. hard for us to like, oh, we know Peterson's good, no Hammond's good. With, yeah, this, I guess maybe the secondary because the transfer's coming in. But even then, it's like you're going to outscore everybody you play. If you give up an extra seven or ten points, it's not going to hurt you. But like, let's let's put it this yeah. way: like we mentioned that they improved 15 spots from defensive SP plus from from 2019 to 2020. Mm-hmm. If they do it again, they're going to be on the doorstep of being a top 50 defense. Yeah, that's fine. Be top 60, and that's good enough, I think. Yeah, just slightly better. Uh, but yeah, that's well, defense going to be fine. It's 
slight again, there's outside of concerns you mentioned, like pass defense is like probably the worst unit, but some of that's also kind of luck too a little bit, like pass defend. It depends how you're playing as well, a little mm-hmm. bit. Like what type of scheme are you running? Are you playing a soft zone? Are you playing tough man to man? Like if you play zone and like they overthrow it, it's like, well it's just overthrowing nobody because the guy was open. So so we get a special teams really quick, which might be an well, not might be. It's going to be another strong suit, assuming like Romeo Dubs keeps returning kicks again, like I think he should. Brandon oh, Tom, yeah. their punter was a was he honorable mention in their punter, or did he make a? Let's see here. Yeah, yeah, Julian Diaz was a honorable mention punter. Yeah, like if he'd have qualified, this is this is one of my favorite notes, Chris <laughs> Murray. If he'd have qualified, he would have ranked fifth in the country in yards per punt. Jesus. <laughs> 46.3. Like, he, he literally could have been the best punter in the conference this side of, of Ryan Stonehouse. Which is pretty good, pretty good company, right? To be right Yes, there. it is. <laughs> so, all we're going to say, especially if he's going to be elite, I don't know why Dubs wouldn't return kicks. So that's the only thing. If, like, they want to move it to somebody else, mm-hmm. that's the only thing you look at when you have elite receivers, typically their final year. It's, um, cause you remember seeing the receiver, they were short penny. They would put, he wasn't back there a ton his final year, just occasionally. Yeah. And so that's the only thing you want to look at. Like, is he going to be returning or not? So, but the unit's going to be solid, that, that set. So, schedule time? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Now we get to the schedule, and we know these are going to be longer, so bear with us, but it's fine, because heck, it's the week, the very first preview we're doing it. So we're getting through all these teams. The Nevada Wolfpack schedule, fingers crossed, 2021 season goes as planned. They open up against a cow, which are you afraid of Justin Wilcox and Tim Bruder on the other side of the ball? Does that really scare you? I wouldn't say that Cal has been scary, <laughs> but I don't think they've been a pushover in the Wilcox era. Like they, they haven't like come close to, to winning a Pac-12 title or anything like that. But you know, one thing you can say about, about the Golden Bears is like they know how to play defense. And so that's the one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in keeping my eye on going into fall camp when I'm thinking about like, you know, what I'm looking forward to in non-conference opponents is, you know, the, the, the cruel irony that Tim DeRuiter immediately went to Berkeley and, and fielded yeah. like, well, I think it was like a top 15 by SB plus defense years after year after <laughs> years after, um, you know, basically putting that unit in the toilet at Fresno State. Um, I'm, I'm not bitter or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they had some guys drafted to the NFL. I think most notably Cameron Bynum. And so obviously the biggest questions are going to be whether or not they can solve their longstanding offensive woes. You know, they do have Chase Garbers, their quarterback coming back. He looked sharp in their spring game. You know, it's, it's going to be, you know, I think they have a, an all conference linebacker, if I'm not mistaken, coming back, whose name escapes me at the moment. They're going to be like a, a good, but not great team. And I think it's telling that, like, even despite the fact that, like, they, they aren't going to, like, be anybody's idea of a conference title contender in the Pac 12, but they still, by SP plus, rank higher than Nevada does. Like they are still one of the toughest opponents that the Wolfpack are going to face all season long. They're 54th overall. And there really isn't a big split in the projection on offense versus defense. And Oh, by the way, if we're going to go back to, you know, the whole conversation we had at the very beginning about returning production, mm-hmm. Cal's one of those teams too. You know, they're coming back with 80, 81% of the production, maybe not quite as much, but enough to 
you know, be able to create a lot of headaches if Nevada's not ready for them right off the bat. See, the concern that Cal has against any team is scoring the ball. Yeah. And so they've scored, what, 30 points five times the past three seasons? Okay, again, mm-hmm. last year, whatever, a few games of Pac-12 played. They only played four games last yeah, year. Yeah, okay, <laughs> not very many. And so there's that. That's an issue because Nevada's defense, like we said, even if they're not amazing, they can outscore. If they, I, honestly, if they get to 30, they're going to win this game. Yeah. I don't I, I don't see Cal putting up over 30 points over a oh, opener of the game. And yes, it's at Berkeley, but Nevada's defense is good enough to – Eh, 30 points, fine, whatever. We'll do that. We'll score 45, not a big deal. I th- I think, but I think that Cal can't get the 30. And that might be if Nevada gets there, they'll win the game. They do get Chase, Chase Gabriel, well, Gabriel's back there at quarterback, but, eh, okay, we'll see. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to scare me at all. Like, they, a couple receivers are back, like, uh, Kate Crawford, but, and they, and they, and they bring in six of the seven back, pass catchers, which is good. And that, it's going to be a theme of every team of bringing all these guys back. So, I just don't see the offense being enough for this team to take over Nevada's defense, plus what Nevada's offense can do. They run the ball. Pre- they run the ball pretty well, but eh. see, my only question would be: thinking back to last year, as good as Nevada was on offense, how well did they perform against the best defenses that they saw last year? And so, I guess the question becomes: who were the best defenses that Nevada played last year? Because if you go by yards per play. You know, the three worst performances they had on a per play basis last year were against San Diego State, a game yeah. that they it was a one score win. Could have been way different, yeah. <laughs> and the two and the two games they lost Hawaii. at home against San Jose State at Hawaii. Hawaii, I'd say, still more of a scheme type base, but it still worked. Not saying the defense. Well, I don't want to. That's a kind of a put down on them, but they changed. They had a scheme that Nevada couldn't overcome. Mm-hmm. So where do you put and Cal? That, that's like, all, how does that's, Cal compare? I, I mean, Cal, uh, I, would have, I don't have those numbers in front of Sorry. me right now. <laughs> I mean, I think they were above average last year, if I'm not mistaken, in the Pac-12. It depends. You play a couple of like games. They were, they, I mean, ironically, though, kind of going back to your original point, they were next to last in the conference in, in scoring offense. They They could barely crack 20 points per game. Scoring defense, however, they were uh, they they gave up 26.5. In the four yep. games that they played, in the pack, almost six yards, five point seven yards per play. They were better overall, but they gave up a, almost, like I said, almost six yards a play. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's the deep, we know the defense is good. It's also again when you play four games, it's like what do you get out of that to really know what they're doing? What we exactly. do know, Wilcox is a good defensive coach. Drudger is able to apparently do something when he's there. Right? Cal, um, when, he, when all he has to worry about is defense, apparently yeah. is fine. But also, they lost to freaking Oregon State last year in Stanford, and neither of those teams are any good. Oregon State was okay. And they're, they've been proving, but somehow they beat Oregon, too, so whatever. <laughs> There's that as well to consider. I, I just don't think Cal's a complete enough team to beat Nevada. I think I, it's really going to come down to, like, you know, which which relative weakness is is going to be the thing that, that holds the you know, each team back. Like, is, is Nevada's offense going to get slowed by Cal's defense? And, okay. and conversely, is Cal going to be able to move the ball enough against what looks like, you know, a, a good, if not potentially great, Nevada defense? SP Plus has, um, fit, has them at 54, Cal, which I don't get. But I... Cal's not going to win this game. That's what I'm getting. There's no, I don't see any chance how Cal wins this game. 
I just don't see them slowing down. We, we look at the op, op weapons we mentioned, Cole Turner, Romeo Dubs, um, Elijah Cooks, Carson Strong. The defense has a good, great defensive line. It's like they can't, they're not going to score enough points. Like, unless, unless there's like fumble, turnover luck. Like, think of this. Remember the San Diego State game where they kicked so many field goals, they had the turnovers in the end zone, or mm-hmm. the, like, and they still won that game. And it yeah. gets a better defense than what Cal presents. So I, I got my early pick at Nevada going one and zero. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Bears' offense is probably going to be the worst overall unit on the field, and if that's, <laughs> the, if that's the case, like, I don't, I mean, I don't think Nevada's going to run away with it. But I think they should have a fairly comfortable win on the road. I'm thinking like somewhere in the vicinity of seven to ten points. Yeah, it could be like thirty to twenty or something. Like oh, only thirty points, but you put up thirty points on a good defense. That's that's positive, right? Yeah. All right, they got uh, Kansas State or not Kansas State? Idaho State win. Come on, move on, right? Uh, Idaho State fairly frisky this spring, though. Don't. I do want to talk don't, about. Don't I, try, I just want to. I want to touch upon that for a for <laughs> just a second. All right, you take the floor. If, I mean, they were they were two and four, which doesn't seem like much. Oh my gosh! Come <laughs> but they had but they had three one score losses in their spring football schedule. Okay, and that included a one score loss to um, and I'm trying to find it. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Eastern Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I, and and uh, Tyler Vanderwall, familiar name around here, former mm-hmm. Wyoming quarterback, was named, I believe, the newcomer of the year in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, and yeah, I was right. They, at home, they lost by four to Eastern Washington last year. So they weren't that far away from being a, a much more impactful team in the, in a very competitive conference. And so I don't know, like, if the roster that they have listed on their, is the roster that they're going to be going into the fall with. I don't know if people are going to be graduating or anything like that. But I think it's worth keeping an eye on, like, if a lot of those players are going to be coming back, you know, guys like you know, Vanderwall, I think they have a really good running back whose name is Keith Smith right now. I probably should have been better prepared with the names right away. Hey, um, your, hey you want to talk Idaho State football, so it's on you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Idaho. like, they, they're not going to be a pushover. I mean, I think Nevada's going to win, but I think that Idaho State could go in there with the capacity to surprise at least a little bit if, if the spring football season was any indication. 45 to 10. There you go. <laughs> Kansas State. So, again, their schedule, first two of the three on the road. K-State, slightly less than SP Plus at 63. Their team, uh, was it Chris, uh, was it Leidman? Is that how you say it, the guy, the head coach? Uh, Kleiman, I believe. Kleiman, sorry, a couple years in. So he's there taking over for the job over what? Was he actually going to go for Bill Snyder, who finally retired? Finally, yes. finally retired? I, yes, I tried yes. to, there's a couple of college football stuff. I'm like, did that happen? How many years ago did this thing happen? So, Kansas State. They're Kansas the big, State, the Cal of the Big 12. Okay, there we go. Defense, that's a good comparison. Why is that good defense, questionable offense? Still still a headache. They still do like one or two inexplicable things pretty much every year, um, for, for good or for ill. Like they, they seem to pull one upset every year that they shouldn't. Like didn't they beat Oklahoma last year or was that my imagination? They beat them like twice in a row, I think. Let me double check. They've beaten them recently more than once. Kansas State is an interesting team because, like, again, this is not a team that is probably going to threaten for a Big 12 conference title or anything like that. 
but they're definitely the kind of team that can throw a wrench into other teams' title hopes. You know, they have a, a pretty good quarterback if he's back to 100% in Skylar Thompson. Um, and, you know, on defense, they are replacing, um, you know, an all-conference linebacker. But, um, you know, they brought in Eric Munoz from uh, Utah State as a transfer. You know, they brought in, I believe, another guy from Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken, uh, up front. Um so, I mean, it's not a team that's going to have a lot of household names. But, again, this is not a team that Nevada can just go in and expect to steamroll because they're they're not playing Kansas. They're playing Kansas State. Correct. And for the record, Wildcats have beaten the Sooners back-to-back years. There you go. And, and, and again, like I said, it's, it's not a team that's, like I said, not a top 25 team. No. But I believe they also have, a, you know, an all-Big 12 kick returner in Phillip Brooks. You know, they, they – you know, Thompson's pretty good. I mean, they've got some guys who can make plays, who can make noise, and especially being at home, you know, against a team that may have a lot of helium, like like Nevada, they're going to be motivated not to roll over on their own home field. And, oh, I forgot to mention, they have a, a really good running back who I believe was a freshman of the year in the Big 12 last year, Deuce Vaughn. So, who is tiny. 5'5", 171. Interesting. So, <laughs> so he's Darren Sproles. Exactly. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren Sproles is exactly taking over. Um, so that, that's interesting. But he had, what, seven touchdowns, I believe, right here, 600-something yards. Mm-hmm. So he's a quick guy back there. A um, couple receivers, 20-plus, 25-plus catches. Um, oh, no, no, excuse me. Vaughn was the top receiver, 25 catches, my mistake. So he's a big play guy. So maybe if you think, like, Calvin Turner top possibly type of deal for Hawaii, he'll catch the ball, run the ball. Um, they have a couple of decent-sized receivers, like Malik Knowles and Sebastian Ch- Taylor. Mm-hmm. So – but then again, no wide receiver last year, and I don't recall how many games they played. But neither had 20 catches in last year. I'm pretty sure they played almost a full season in the Big 12 since they started on time. So passing game is a concern. Which yeah, can they played toward... 10 games last. year. Okay, so there you go. It's even worse. <laughs> so when you, when you go up against a Nevada defense where the secondary might be the biggest question mark, and your best receiver had like 18 catches, mm-hmm. you're in good shape, right? Yeah, and I think you know the Kansas State's biggest problem is they're going to be replacing a lot of their production up front. Like I mentioned, you know, a, a linebacker, defensive lineman, you know, Wyatt Hubert, who was uh, a draft pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he's gone. I believe Drew uh, Wiley also gone. You know, that's 22 tackles for loss right there that they're going to replace up front. And that doesn't even get into the fact that, you know, both of those guys, I think, also combined for 13 sacks. And, and as a team, they had 28 last year. So now all of a sudden you're looking for a lot of disruption that they're going to have to replace. I would say against a team like the Wolfpack, that might be easier said than done. I could see that. Yeah, like Kansas State, like you're right. Like they're pretty good defense, offense, eh, okay. I I want to say this game's going to be, not just because SP Plus says it, but I think this is going to be a slightly tougher game. But I could see where the defense isn't quite as good as Cal, and the offense the inefficiencies they have, like this seems a step below Cal, in my opinion. Just even I would say have, if you put them on a field, they would be pretty even. I mean, I think the defense yeah. might not be quite as good, but I think the offense for the Wildcats is definitely better. Yeah, maybe it's a wash, but it's, it's pretty close. Um, I guess maybe maybe I just misspoke. Maybe Oklahoma, getting those Oklahoma wins is pretty impressive, obviously. Okay, yeah, but they're almost the same team. Like you mentioned, the Cal, the Big 12, or the Kansas State, or the Pac-12, or whatever you want to call it. 
it's a team that, again, if you're a Nevada fan, it shouldn't scare you at all against this team. Like, you should win. It'd probably be reasonably competitive. But there's no – like, name a player – not – well, just the, hypothetical, theoretically, because you don't, we don't know every real player in Kansas State. But what player does Kansas State have better than Nevada? Quarterback's not better. Not running – running back could be reasonably close. Nothing at receiver. Like, there's nothing that Kansas State can offer that I would say that's miles ahead – Defense ahead, but not like astronomical. Had they play in the Big Twelve, look how many points go that they score against all these teams every week. A good defense in Big Twelve is like a mediocre defense in most other conferences. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm saying like they and Nevada's offense would fit perfectly in the Big Twelve, and they would be in a million shootouts if they played a Big Twelve schedule. There you go. All right, then they have an off week. They're, who made the schedule, man? What's going on here? The, Three road games in five weeks and four games. They travel to Boise State for the conference opener, which possible preview of the conference championship game? I don't know. See, here, here's a fun question to mull over. Yes. Whichever team loses this game, do they still get to the conference championship? I would give much better odds to Boise State doing so because the West Division is so difficult. Because Wyoming's going to be pretty good in the Mountain Division. Air Force will be a headache for somebody, but nobody in the Mountain Division. Like I mentioned earlier on, the West Division has so many better teams. Hawaii could seek up on anybody. Aztecs, even with their quarterback issues, is still going to be good. Fresno State, San Jose State. I'd give the edge to Boise State returning if they, if they lose the game. Mm. By quite a bit, actually. I mean, this is, the game I wish, this is the game I wish we had last year, but I'm glad we're getting it this year. Did you see the uh, South Point early um, point spreads? Uh, no, I didn't. They have a lot of Boise State games, including the Nevada game. Do you want to take a guess what the line is on this game? Boise State at home, October Boise 2nd. State at home. I'm going to say they're like uh, Boise State minus six. Exactly right, minus six. Ooh, nailed it. And I – give me Nevada at, the, at this moment. I think all the Nevada right now. It seems however, to be okay. 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 However, I got ahead of myself for there for a second. However, there. I don't know. I don't think Nevada. I don't know if Nevada could win this game because partly because not well. I shouldn't say they can't win the game. It's going to be difficult because they're playing a pretty like it's not the most toughest non-conference game. It's not overly difficult. You're not playing a couple top twenty-five teams or even top thirty teams. You're playing some two teams, two teams, Cal and Kansas State. Cal probably finished higher in the Pac-12 than Kansas State, but they're teams that are going to go probably win at least seven games, I think, go to a bowl game, be middle to upper of their conference, and they're all on the road. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They're going to get bigged up a little bit. They do have the off week before, which helps a lot. I just think it might be too much too soon, despite I love Nevada, and I I, guarantee, I could totally see them easily winning this game. Not easily, but I, I wouldn't – zero shock if they win the game. Like, they could totally win this game. It's a circumstance of the schedule that kind of goes against them a little bit where I'm going to lead Boise State in this one. But it's going to be, like, obviously early contender for game of the year. Because even with Boise looking at who's a quarterback, Jack Sears or um, Hank Bachmeyer, replace a couple guys here and there. They New head coach, obviously, it's a big deal as well, Andy Avalos. They still have a lot of talent coming back. They're still a really good team. It's just you're playing on the road three or four games on the road. That's difficult to overcome. 
I mean, I think, you know, the, the big question is it's really hard to forecast in some respects because there are some questions about the Broncos right now that we don't have answers to yet. Like, what are they going to do at quarterback? Because there seems to be a, an ongoing competition there. You know, what is the, what is the defense going to look like? How many big or or small changes are there going to be on the defensive side of the ball with Andy Avalos as the, as the head coach now? You know, how you know, how healthy are the Broncos going to remain? Because that was one of those things that they really got banged up last year. And, you know, even despite the fact that, you know, when you look at last year's team, yeah, they gave up a 52% completion rate to opposing quarterbacks. But, like, how many strong passing attacks did they actually face last year? They got torched by BYU. And they got beat pretty pretty handily by San Jose State in the conference championship. Sure. I mean, other than that, you're talking about Utah State when they had basically no offense to offer them, Air yeah. Force, Colorado yep. State, mm. and Hawaii, which was a lot more run-heavy than I think either of us expected them to be. And so I think the big question for them is, especially when it comes to you know Nevada's plethora of, of passing targets, we already know that they're going to have to replace both Jalen Walker and Avery Williams. Right now, the answers for those guys in the locker room aren't necessarily clear. Like, that's something that is yet to be resolved. And so I think that the the outcome on the blue in this particular instance is not necessarily as clear-cut as a lot of other people think that it might at first glance. Yeah, I get your point, like all they're playing. I just, my main thing is more of the schedule instead of the team. Mm-hmm. His voice is going to be good regardless. Um, it's just tough. Like I, I think Nevada can win. I think like if you look at who's if you look at a vacuum week to week and like or who's on each team. Like we're not going to go through every team conference game like this just because we'll talk about Boise more in depth later when we get to them and all these rest of non conference excuse me league games. We'll kind of hit the high points and go on because this is going to take two hours if we go eight minutes mm-hmm. a game here. But if you look at quarterbacks, Nevada. Running backs, Nevada. Wide receiver in Nevada, right? Running back could be close if, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, maybe. But the depth there with Devontae Lee gives him the edge. Defense probably lean a bit toward Boise State. Like, this is a similar, like, <clears throat> when you look at Cal, Kansas State, and Boise State, it's a very, it's like a, they're almost the same team, but Boise's the better of the bunch. They're probably going to be better on defense. Offense, there are some questions that we that we can't answer sitting here in the third week of May. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I'll change my pick. I just hate – here's the thing I don't like. Like, I love these teams like Air Force. Undefeated. Going undefeated is very difficult. Yes, it is. And my main thing is, like, let's go to – when you look at Boise State real quick, like, their schedules – maybe I should double-check on this, too, because they go to UCF, which, by the way, they're a 10-point road underdog, which is wild, against Central Florida, who might hmm. be, like, fourth in the American Conference. I'm like, give me a break. Um, but here's the thing: they have UTEP, Oklahoma State, both at home. Though they also have a bye leading into this game, or no, excuse me, sorry, they have Utah State then this game. So there's no bye, so they have four games. And so, but Utah State the week before on the road, it's not obviously not super challenging with the new head coach or Blake Anderson. I I'm torn of what to do because I I believe Nevada is a better team, but circumstances of three road games in five weeks and playing some pretty good teams and well above average teams makes me hesitant to take the Wolfpack. So I'm, I'm guessing you've got the Broncos winning that one. <sighs> what do you got? 
I'm going to take Nevada. <sighs> do, we have, do we have the right to change these later on in our big when we do our big prediction preview? You can do whatever you like. Are you always tell me that. I don't like the answer. You're like, you can always do whatever you want. And never I want some guidance here. I I got to go Boise State. And unfortunately, again, unfortunately, I got to take Boise to win because of how the schedule plays out. I think they could win. For a big season prediction preview right now, I got to take Boise to win the game because of what I said. It's painful to say because I think they could win. They're probably the better team, but just playing those road games before, and it's just a, it's a tough sell for me to pick them to win, even though I think they can. Is that enough hedging right there? Uh, no, we're, <laughs> that sounds good to me. Can we just say New Mexico State victory move on? Is that okay since they lost to, was it Charles Tarleton? Charleston State? Who was it? Yeah, it barely squeaked by Dixie State. Oh, Dixie State. Beautiful campus, but oh, Dixie State. Thanks. Soon to be new school named Dixie State. They're in the process of changing the re- their rebel nickname, too, so whatever that's worth. I thought they were the Trailblazers. Uh, maybe that's a new name to change it to. There's always something going on about schools and nicknames and stuff. Maybe it's a mascot. Um, maybe. Honestly, I don't know. It must be Trailblazers now. They must have changed it recently. There's always something going on about changing the name. And there's plus, something plus, in- plus, we're going to talk about New Mexico State probably at some point. We're going to see them a lot. And these Why you play some twice? <laughs> Why you play some twice? Um, since we're getting long here, let's just skip and say victory, right? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get to the Aggies later. So we have the rematch versus Hawaii at home. The biggest thing for this game to me is I love Calvin Turner, who's awesome. They have Shavon Cordero back, but the downside for Hawaii, they lose like half their offensive coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Right receiver's coach goes to Pitt. The OC goes to was it UCF, right? UCF, Co-O-C. yeah. G.J. Kim. Co-OC. But the positive is it's still a good team. They finally get a full spring, what they just finished with um, Todd Graham there. It's going to be – are they going to try to run the same scheme last year and hope it works twice? <laughs> That's a good that, question. I mean, the, the defense was pretty good last year in a lot of respects. Yeah, defensive good players. They forced everything underneath. They're like, we're not we'll, – we'll play 20 yards deep. We don't care, essentially. I don't know how well that could work with Elijah Cooks as well, another key receiver. That's really good. But I I just think Nevada's gonna get revenge. It's at home. They are the, again. I'll say it probably they're probably the best. Nevada's gonna be the the best team all year every week. I think favored in probably ten of the twelve games. I'm thinking at least. Mm-hmm. And even if Hawaii can sneak up on anybody, the only thing that really scares me is if they if the scheme works twice, which seems unlikely that it'll work as well. Because remember, even when it worked well, Carson Strong, what was he twenty to twenty five or something like that? Yeah, he still could put all those passes. It was just. Nothing deep downfield. It's I just Hawaii doesn't have enough. It'll be an interesting game. I think there could be some points, but I still don't think Hawaii's gonna get to come back or or not see me get the two in a row against this Nevada team. All right then. You? Why? Uh, I got them beating Hawaii. Alright, what about your first state Bulldogs? It's a road game here. Yeah. You're gonna be in attendance possibly? Are they gonna allow you to show up at the game? Uh, I'm gonna try. If I can. <laughs> so this I'll start. I'll start really quick here and let you hop in. I think this will be the best offensive team Nevada plays all season. Yes. Is that easy, too easy of a too easy of a thing to say with Jay Kaner, Ronnie Rivers, and the receivers they have. It's kind of comical how loaded both of these teams are going to be. It's going to be sixty. It's going to be what was it a couple years ago? 
I don't think it was overtime. Hawaii was it Hawaii UNLV or Wyoming UNLV like sixty nine to sixty six in overtime? Oh yeah, the triple overtime game. Yeah, triple overtime game. And before that, it was like fifty points each or something. Mm-hmm. I wonder wonder if this has a uh, that type of vibe going on. I mean, it could be. Yeah. What does Fresno State do the best that they can hurt Nevada with? Are we talking on offense or defense? Oh, oh, good point. I should specify <laughs> offense. Sorry, I'm like. Oh, they th- they throw the football. Okay, sorry. I'm like, I want people to know. I'm like, I need to tell you, offense or defense. I mean, I mean, they're not gonna run, they're not gonna run an air raid like the Wolfpack, but I would not be shocked if they weren't shy about throwing the football early and often in games. I think that's the case with was Jake Jake Cannon one of the most accurate passers last year. Yes, he was. He was the one Cam Morrell say like the most accurate passer ever in the history of the world or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something like that. 65%. They have arguably, like, they're good, like Jake Cropper, Carrick Winfield. They have, like, abundance of riches on both sides each each of these teams have. Like, Rivers, what he could do, catching the ball, running the ball. Like, the running backs in this conference are still going to be really good. you got him, Charles Williams, Xavier Valade, Toa Tawa. Um, who's the boys he has? Oh, shit, I forget. Um, George Salon. Do they have somebody else too? No, that was the other guy I didn't like as much. A lot of good running backs in the conference. Rivers might be the most versatile of the backs because of what he can do in running the catch. Because Valade and Charles Williams will just run up the gut and crush you. You have Toa Tala sort of versatile, not quite as much. They're fairly comparable. But this offense, like these teams, you're right, they're not going to spread it out as much. But they could do almost, they could do very similar things. Like they have multiple. Deep passes like last year, Jalen Cropper had like a, a couple of long passes, fifty nine for him. Wheat filled out a forty six yarder. Kelly had a seventy one yarder. Multiple fifty yard passes. They go deep as well. They mm-hmm. just don't go four wide. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff going on. They do similar things. They just do it a little bit different ways. There you go. Should we make a pick or do we want some defense here? I don't know. We don't want to go too deep in all these teams here. Anything on defensively? Is it just like maybe get plus one of the turnover margin? Honestly, it's probably going to be like first to 40. So what's your pick? Uh, I think Nevada's going to lose this one, to be honest. I'm in agreement with you because it's a road game. And as a theme, we've said road games, the road schedule, Cal, Kansas State, Boise State, Fresno State, and San Diego State all on the road. Very I mean, I think I think I think your point about you know an, an offense that can match the Wolfpack is going to be pretty rare in this year's schedule, but I think if there's any potential stumbling blocks, that that's going to be it. Oh yes, Fresno is the these are the top two offenses in the conference, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's close. Wyoming, if they can pass, we'll see, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. All right, they got the Rebels. Yeah, that's a win. San Jose State. It really all depends on how well they replace their receivers. Yeah, Trey Walker's gone. Bailey Gaither's gone. I still think they're going to be pretty good, but I do think that the Wolfpack have enough talent to be able to kind of basically reverse last year's matchup. So I have them winning that one too. I think if Kate Hall can have some big get to the quarterback a lot, that could be some fun to watch. Because mm-hmm. him getting to Carson Strong in the backfield. And I think, yeah, I think the San Jose State, like they're a team that could – could they pop up a win this one? Yeah, I think they totally could, but it's not. It's going to be too difficult for this type of team who lost a decent amount, even with the Nick Starkle back at quarterback. They're going to get the. They're not going to be able to take advantage of that. And then, mm-hmm. and that's like their. That's their one hard game at home. San Jose State. Everything else, 
that Hawaii, I guess, a little bit. So at San Diego State, I'm saying victory mostly because the quarterback play is still so much up in the air. Again, if Lucas Johnson comes back and plays like he did in the first half versus Nevada, San Diego State could be a team that wins the West Division. Mm-hmm. But we talked in the spring game. Like, I know it's a spring game, but they completed, what, 38% of their passes? It was ridiculously bad. It was comically bad. Yeah. And I know Greg, Greg Bell should be healthy, but it's probably going to be a lower-scoring game, and San Diego State will hang around. But unless their quarterback play gets going, there's no way they're winning this game on, on the road in Reno. Mm-hmm. Same, agree, yes, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just wonder, I don't. All right, then we got two last games real quick. Air Force, CSU, they're going to beat CSU, I think, because it's CSU, and they want to uh, have Todd Centennial be the quarterback. <laughs> and so, ugh. Air Force, have any concern with you with all the turnbacks returning? That that could be something with the defense. That's where half the guys were gone last year. It's always I'm difficult. I think that people are sleeping on Air Force, to be honest. Do tell. What's your, uh, what, why do you say that? Because I think a lot of people are forgetting that this was a top 25 team two years ago. Or yes. Different quarterback, by the way. They Different quarterback. Win. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, and last year they were maybe a little bit unlucky to finish, what was it, 3-3? Three and three? Yeah, they weren't great last year. But they were able to, you know, break in a lot of new pieces. And, and with all the people coming back from what was, again, a very good team two years ago, I, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to I, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm starting to talk myself into the Falcons a little bit in the same way that I had started talking myself into the into Wyoming and Fresno State a couple months ago. And You're right. Yeah. And when you take into account that you know the last four games between these two teams uh all decided by one score. There you go. That's uh did they play last year or was it last they couple did, times? They did not play last year. They haven't was, played since 2018. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's also two, I, compl- two completely different teams, you know what I mean? But I think that even if Air Force doesn't quite reach the same heights on offense that they did in in 2019, I'm very interested to see what the defense looks like. Because, you know, the, this, the common refrain is, like, oh, they only have three returning starters from last year. Well, that's because, like, like, half a dozen starters from 2019 are coming back to the fold that didn't play last year. Yeah, right. and, yeah exactly. And that defense was really good. And yeah, exactly. They were totally – I mean, like everybody Sean put up um, stuff about the return, return backs, like 20-plus guys. Every mm-hmm. defensive starter returning for 20, 20 didn't play. Yeah. And they're all back. So, like you mentioned, other talking about the teams, all the returning talent that's coming back, theirs is low. But also, what's going to help them, all these guys, the turnbacks who didn't play, the replacements coming back are probably going to be – I don't know if all, all the guys defensively who left, who didn't play last year, are going to automatically start – which could be a fine or a good thing because all the guys who had playing time will compete and push and they'll just be that much better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, one of the big questions they'll have to solve is, you know, they're, they're losing two all conference offensive linemen plus like one or two more guys who were, you know, pretty solid contributors in their own right from a, a unit that was, you know, number one nationally in line yards per carry on offense last year, uh, number one in stuff rate, number four in opportunity rate. So, it's not like they won't have their own questions to, to to answer, but I would say like you know again it may seem that Nevada is going to like walk all over this Falcons team at first glance. I don't think that's going to be the case though. I think that that this is a this is a a danger zone type game. If Nevada is like eyeing the finish line, if they're looking at a potential division title, hosting a conference title at home, 
you, you don't want to stumble against a team like Air Force late in the season. The only good thing you're correct. The only good thing in late season is that they get historically Falcons can kind of downtrend at the end of the season. I think they'll beat the Falcons, mm-hmm. but it would not shock me if they go if they go into Reno and pull an upset. Well, here's the thing: they hold the ball for 42 minutes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like that takes away anything Nevada can do. <laughs> well, I mean, even well, I mean, you know how I mentioned earlier that uh, each of the four games, the last four games, was decided by one score. Yeah. Um, do you want to know? <laughs> I mean, have you seen the, the the final scores of those last four games? Um, I looked up one, but I, uh, so no. In, I have, in, I in, re- in reverse order, uh, twenty-eight, twenty-five. Yeah. Forty-five, forty-two. Oh, 45-38. Oh. 45-42. So points. That's what you're telling me. And then, and then the one before that was 48 to 31 for good measure. So yeah, that, that's kind of <laughs> what I'm getting at overall. I, I agree with you. Like th- that's why people probably not think Air Force is as good. But my only thing is like end of the year with how much commitment they have and what their like size restriction, not excuse, but just the fact of what they are able to have on the field, it does tear, wear and tear on them a little bit. But the Air Force always is good enough. It's not an excuse. It's never something they'll bring up. To, oh, we're we do 18 credit hours. Everybody else does like 12 or whatever. We're 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. nonstop school and all that type of stuff. Nobody does that. They, we get it. They know what they're doing. They're taking biochem and not general studies or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They know it's more difficult. Not an excuse. But there are times later later in the year they aren't as dominant and or just not quite as good as they typically are in week three compared to week 12. But having said that, they're still good enough to beat almost anybody they play. Like, they're outside of that couple years ago where they won, like, what, two or three games? They're always going to be bowl eligible, always going to give teams a fit, and always get, have good victories and good teams. Mm-hmm. So, my record, 10 and 2 for Nevada. I have Lucy. them at 11 and 1, which Lucy. surprises even me. <laughs> I honestly could. Like, when I looked, well, first off, why does it surprise you really quick? Did you think not as good? You want 12-0? and 0? I mean, it goes back to the point we brought up, just about the, the schedule and the fact that they, they have to go on the road yeah. for, for most of their toughest games. So, you know, I, I know that you, you're, like, you, you say the chance that they have of, of going undefeated. Uh, obviously, it's, it's really hard to go undefeated. But against a schedule like this, if they do it, you can't say that they didn't earn it by going to Berkeley, you know, to Manhattan, to Boise, to Fresno, to San Diego, in to LA, Fort though. Collins. Wherever they're playing. That. Yeah. Wherever San Diego's playing, but yeah, not at home. Or to Carson. Excuse yeah, me. <laughs> and, and, but I, but I would also say that the road is, is fairly perilous. Like, you know, which is not to say that if, if, if they lose like half of those road games, which I think is definitely within the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe they, I mean, this still gives them perhaps a, a fairly good chance at the division title. But, like, if they lose at Cal, at Kansas State, at Boise, at Fresno, would that surprise anybody? No. If they lost all four of those games? No, because I, my, there's, the swing for me is huge. They can go, I think they can win every game. When you look at who they're playing, like, like I mentioned the Boise game earlier, like comparing like matchup and unit to unit, I don't think there's a team that's more talented than them on the schedule at all. Mm-hmm. However, it's who you play, when you play, where you play. Then again, you're right. Like I could could they lose two? Like you said, Cal, Kansas State, Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, 
San Jose State, could they could they lose to Hawaii? Could they go five and seven? Not likely, but there's a bunch of games that are going to be very close. Even though Hawaii's 105 SP plus, San Jose State's 81. Their swing is huge. I think they're better than the, than like six wins, clearly. But again, it comes back to everybody's returning all the talent. Everybody's back to normal essentially. You have all the experience from young guys who played, who guys who sat out for different schools. It's going to be they're better than everybody on the schedule, but going on the road so many times they play, playing the first month of the season is going to be pretty difficult overall. There's that stretch is going to like I think that stretch might make or break their season. If they somehow end up one and three, that's really tough for them to mm-hmm. overcome. But if they go three and one or even four and zero, oh, like. I think here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to be bold and confident about this. If they go, if they do go undefeated, I don't see anybody else. They should get to near six bowl game. Like people love Cincinnati, but come on, I don't. Let me double check their schedule. But like, what do they have? I think they play. They got Notre Dame, which is going to be fine. But you got Murray State, Miami, Ohio, Indiana team who might not even have Michael Penix play. He's not even fully healthy. Like their schedule probably tough a touch better. They probably get the edge just because they're ranked ahead of them, but I put good money that they won't go undefeated because they go to places like uh, Tulane's decent. They go to Navy, they go to, like Notre Dame and Indiana. Not that they're hard, but they're not going to be easy either. Mm-hmm. So, like I just think if they're twelve and zero, thirteen zero, they should be like a top, basically a top twelve team, top ten team, because they're going to get respect in the preseason polls. I think they'd get some votes, right? I think so. Let me ask you this before we head out of here because I know I, I probably know the answer and it's going to make me kind of upset. When we look at the conference, who's going to have the most preseason votes from like the AP or, or media poll or coaches poll? Probably Boise. Yeah, but it shouldn't be, right? Or should it? If you want to not give that away at the moment. <laughs> Let me marinate on that one. I will tell you it should be Nevada. Okay. Even though I have Boise State beating Nevada. <laughs> I just – Think that highly, but it's just it's like a list for Texas and USC and certain teams. Typically, like Boise's earned it more than those more often than not. Wherever, whenever they get their preseason ranking, typically it's not, it's usually within the range. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe slightly higher. They're not what Texas does or USC does, where they're a top twelve team just because the preseason. But I think the respect should be there for Nevada, and I hope like for the conference as well. Let's have one team that's just dominant. There hasn't been a team like Boise's last team have gone to near six game. It's been a long time. The league needs a dominant season from a team where people already know Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs from last year. Mm-hmm. So, any f- final shots before we get out of here for a extremely long first preseason podcast? <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm good. All right, next week here's what we're gonna do. We did it. Th- we're gonna do a similar Twitter poll last week. We're gonna obviously remove the Wolfpack, do three Twitter polls. So check out MWC Wire. We will take the winners of those polls. So the three. And then those will be the three we vote for for next week. We figured, Matt, you had a great idea, the bracket style to mix it up. So check our Twitter. We'll probably put it up midweek to get that going. And, yeah, subscribe to our show. Let us know if you like it. And also our buddy fake, Matt Mummy, said, what should we cook for the Cal game? I said, just cook bears. Why not, right? <laughs> so, I mean, can you can you find that in Reno? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Find roadkill. I don't know. He's like, what's yeah. that girl up for the game? I'm like, bear? Why not? You're playing the bear. Make it simple. Go with the cheesy theme and make it, don't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, that's all we got for today. Nevada, we'll talk next week. We're not going to switch divisions like last season. We're just going to go what you, the people, wanted us to talk about. And if you want to rig the poll negatively, 
to have your team go later, that's fine. If you want your team next week, get out there and hit the hit the Twitter button, right? There you go. All right, then. We'll be back next time. And just always check out MWR.com, and we'll see you, what, next week again? Are we doing this weekly, Matt? Is that our plan? Are we going every week? I believe that's our plan, <laughs> unless yes. something changed. Chitty, we're, we'll release these every Sunday night. Till next time.